All right, hey, have you ever found yourself in an Instagram, Facebook, TikTok rabbit hole? All right, you guys know what I'm talking about. And if you're not saying yes, you may just be lying in church, all right? Because we've all been there, either on YouTube or one of the other platforms where we just kind of go down the rabbit hole. And I don't know if you've ever seen uh, those videos about the uh, farriers, the, the horseshoe people. You know what I'm talking about? They, they change out the horseshoes on horses. Well, I came across one of those videos, and I was super engaged in that video. And the algorithm that controls our world, right, that's a whole other sermon, it saw me coming, so I started showing me more and more of these horseshoe videos. And, it, and then it took me to like a cow and how uh, the, the vets take care of their hoofs in, their, their, in, in those videos. And then it must have thought that I was some sort of farmer because it started showing me all these other farm animal videos and how to care for your, your farm animals. And there were chicken videos, there were pig videos, there were videos about goats jumping over fences. And then I came across this video of a certain sheep. And this, this sheep's name was, I'm going to get this, I'm going to do this, I've been practicing, Barak. All right, get it? All right, Barack. Now, I know, it's pretty clever, but this was not just a regular farm animal on the farm. Barack was a sheep that had been abandoned in the Australian bush. Right, he had been abandoned, and it seems that he had been out there for a very long, long time because he had accumulated a lot of wool. Here's a picture of Barack. Do we have it? All right, throw it up. All right. That is a picture of Barack. Now, Barack, it's a, it's, he's a big boy. Right? He is a big boy. He was taken to an animal rescue farm, and one of the workers there said this. They said, I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe there was actually a sheep alive under all of that wool. And this worker said, I think he had been a cheeky little rascal of a young lamb who just wandered off and never came back. The sheep's matted coat had been growing uncut for close to five years. Now, Barack had been wandering around the Australian push for almost five years, and he found himself with too much fur. And so the animal farm that, that got, uh, got him went to work. They began to give him a, a much-needed haircut. A video of his transformation on TikTok has more than 18.5 million views. And again, right, a few of those views are of me, are of me watching this video because I could not believe the difference. So after the, the shearing of Barack's fur, of his wool, the staff weighed the fleece and it clocked in at 78 pounds, y'all. 78 pounds of wool. This is Barack afterward, all right? That's after his haircut. Now, the funny thing is, after that haircut, Barack was found to actually be underweight. <laughs> uh, you know, he's, a, he's a cute little guy, uh, but this video reminded me of the current series of sermons uh, that we are in right now at the Foundry Church, right? Because here's the thing, all Barack, man, I've been working on that. <laughs> All he needed 
was a shepherd. All he needed was a shepherd. One of, one of the workers at the rescue said that Barak was surely at one time an owned sheep. He had an ear tag that, was, uh, that got ripped out due to the overgrowth of the wool. So somewhere out there, he had a shepherd. But the, that shepherd was not a, a great one, was he? He lost his sheep. And for five years, that little sheep roamed around getting bigger and a bigger and a bigger wool coat, but getting sicker and sicker and sicker on the inside. All because he didn't have a good shepherd. You see, here's a fact that I think we can all agree on this morning here at the Foundry Church. Sheep need a good shepherd, right? Right, thumbs up, right? Sheep, sheep need a good shepherd. Sheep need someone to look after their coat, evidently, right? Sheep need someone to take them to where the water is. Uh, sheep, they need someone to get them the good food, show them where the green grass is. Sheep need someone to protect them from the, the enemies that the sheep have. Sheep need someone to tend to their wounds. Sheep need someone to point them in the right direction of where they should go. Sheep need a good shepherd. Right? And before we, before we get down on sheep, right, that's just the way they were created. Right? They were created to need a shepherd. You know, a lot of times we hear this, this saying that sheep are just dumb. Well, well, sheep, they're not dumb. They're just this. They're dependent, right? They're not necessarily dumb. They're just dependent. We would not call a toddler dumb because they cannot tie their shoes. We would call them dependent, right? We would not say a child is useless because they cannot find their way to the grocery store and buy groceries. No, we would say that they are dependent. I don't think you would look at me and you would say, oh, man, Andrew, you're an idiot because you don't know how to work the washer and the dryer on your own, right? You want to say that I'm dumb, maybe you would, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm dependent, right? I'm a kept man, right? Sheep are the same, they're, they're dependent. And church, I think if we're honest, we are all dependent as well, right? We are dependent. Now listen, I know that we like to say that I have this whole life thing figured out. Right? All of us guys especially, right? We, we have this, I'm a man, hear me roar, right? That's, that's my natural bent. I've said this before, this isn't going to be a surprise to a lot of you. Andrew, my name, means strong and manly, right? <laughs> right? So, so, so we think, man, I got this, I got life figured out, I can pay my bills, I have a good family, I, I'm good at my job, I'm in, I'm in great shape, not necessarily me, but... But we're, we're thinking these things, right? Listen, we're all struggling, right? If I have to get up early and work out again this week and I don't see any changes, well, I might just throw the towel away. Or if I have to go through another month where Christina and I, we find out that we're, we're not pregnant again after eight years, I might get in a fight with God. If I have to right, pay one more bill that I wasn't expecting, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. We're, we're all in these boats together. But that doesn't mean we're, we're worthless or dumb like, like, like sheep. It just means that we are dependent. We're dependent. And that leads me to the onion that I want to peel this morning. 
in our time together. And we've worked through this series of sermons on the names of God. And we've talked about how God is all of these things. His name, his character, that, that he is Jehovah Jireh, that he's our provider. God's our provider. That he's Jehovah Rapha, that God is our, our healer. That he's uh, Jehovah Sikhnu, that God is our righteousness. That he's Jehovah Nisi, our, our banner. That he's uh, Jehovah Shalom, our peace. And all of these things are amazing. But what is the point of God being all of those things? Let's think about that. Right? The, the, the point is, is, is we need those things. We are dependent on those things. Right? The, the point is, our life is not always going to be great. And the point is, is that we are not perfect. I know that. That's a tough to swallow, right? The, the point is, is we were created to be dependent on God, to forge our life on God. We are sheep and we need a shepherd. We have to have a lifelong reliance on God. And that's the last name of God that I want to look at. It's that it's Jehovah Rohi. God is our shepherd. Right? God is our shepherd. And as we take a look at the Bible today, we'll find that he's not just any old shepherd. And he's just not any old shepherd, like the guy who lost Barak. Right? No, he's a good shepherd. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms chapter 23. Uh, Psalms is in the Old Testament. It's probably like right in the middle of your Bible as you open it up. And if you don't have your Bible, there are Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. And you can take those Bibles with you. Uh, They're free for you to have, to use, to take with you. We're going to be in Psalms 23, uh, verses 1 through 6. All right, so as you're turning there, go ahead and turn there physically in your Bible or use your phone. Uh, We're not going to put the scriptures up on the screen. I want you to, uh, you know, use your Bibles. All right, don't take my word for it. Use your Bibles, all right? So Psalms 23, 1 through 6. Now, if you did not grow up in the church, but you are a millennial like me, you will know this psalm from the great theologian Coolio, all right? <laughs> but listen, all right, Coolio and his, his paradise rap, he didn't get that on his own. He got this from here, from God's word through King David. Now, now we're not sure, but most scholars believe that David wrote Psalms 23 during the later parts of his reign as Israel's king. Now, now it clearly, as we read this Psalms in just a second, it clearly has the ring of personal experience. The, the whole Psalm, the whole thing testifies to a faith that was tested by trials and a life that has kind of mellowed and matured with the passing of years. Right? David had experienced conflict in his life. Uh, David, this, this, this king of the Israelites who wrote this section of scripture, had experienced both internal and external conflict throughout the entirety of his life and reign, including wars, uh, family division, personal disappointment, discouragement, and even downright despair. His hands were soiled by the murder of one of his generals, Uriah. His adulterous relationship with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, had ignited family fighting that led to coups in his kingdom and, and, and 
and children jockeying for his crown. David experienced uh, a sin and the deep sorrow of its consequences. He, he knew the pain of one son's uh, early death and the rebellion of another son who tried to take his kingdom. Yet this psalm, Psalms 23, what we're going to look at today, affirms that through it all, through all of that, David knew God as his good shepherd. So let's start reading. Let's look at Psalms 23. Let me turn there now. All right, Psalms 23 is where we're going to be. Get there. All right. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. All right, keep, keep it open right there. Keep your finger right there. The imagery in this psalm, it may go back to David's childhood experiences as a shepherd himself. Right, it's, it's, it's significant that, that David, this king, the author of this psalms, was a great warrior. Right, that he was, he was this great king, but yet he was still drawn back to simpler times in his life, and the assuring um, depiction of God as a shepherd caring for the needs of his flock. Right? The, the profound impact of Psalms 23 is not discovering that God cares like a shepherd. Right? That's, that's not the impact of this psalm. Right? The, the profound impact of Psalms 23 it's not that he just cares like a shepherd, but that, that he is the shepherd of my life, right? That's the intimacy of this truth in this section of Scripture. David is saying that, that God, he is a personal shepherd, not just an abstract shepherd or a theoretical shepherd, but David's personal shepherd. Shepherd, right? The, the great uh, preacher Spurgeon said it like this. He said, the sweetest word of the whole is the, the monosyllable, my. He does not say the Lord is the shepherd of the world at large and leadeth forth the multitude as his flock, but the Lord is my shepherd. If he be a shepherd to no one else, he is a shepherd to me. He cares for me. He watches over me, and he preserves me. Right? David is saying, my shepherd, right? the, the, the God that I forge my life on, my shepherd knows me. He knows what I need. He, he knows my, my personal pains and my struggles. He, he knows my hunger. He knows what I need. He's the shepherd who lets me lie down in green pastures, who leads me besides still waters. And because he is my personal shepherd and I'm forging my life on him, David is saying, I can trust him. Right, David's expression of absolute trust was, was stated in profound simplicity when he said, I shall not, what does it say? Want. Shall not want. I have a shepherd, personal shepherd who cares. Right, he mentioned the green pastures and the, 
the, the quiet waters, first because they are fundamental needs right, of the sheep for them to survive and to grow. Right? Sheep cannot continue to follow the shepherd without sufficient rest and, and adequate food. The, the shepherd must uh, put himself at risk. And, and we know from biblical accounts of shepherds in the Bible and from other historians of this time period uh, that shepherds would have to travel great distances to, to meet those basic needs of their flock. But he does so because he cares for and focuses on the sheep and their needs, right? And he knows what they need and what, the, what, what, the, what type of love they need and desire, right? The, the, the shepherd knows what his sheep need, and he knows they are dependent on him to get those needs met, right? So let me, let me zoom out here real quick, Foundry Church, and let's get this truth down right here. Our well-being is directly related to our proximity to the good shepherd, all right? As sheep, right? Uh, our well-being is directly related to our proximity to the good shepherd. If we are not close to the shepherd, we are in danger, Foundry Church. When sheep wander around, they can very easily end up like the poor sheep Barak. Right, lost for years. Right? Wall upon wall upon wall, getting bigger on the outside, but sicker and sicker and sicker on the inside. Let, let me give you an example of, of how sometimes sheep wander. One time my brother-in-law, Tyler, and my sister, Laura, they were visiting, and I decided to take Tyler with me to work one day when I worked in the city. Uh, and so he, he rode the train in with me, uh, he was, we were going to, I had just one little meeting, one little meeting, and then we were going to spend the rest of the day together doing whatever, right? Having fun. And, and we go to this coffee shop and, uh, well, first, before I get there, this is what you got to know about Tyler. Tyler is from a little tiny town, like in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. Like the whole, the whole town is like four blocks. And that includes like I don't know, like 30 churches, right? <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but it's like, it's a little town, right? Not much going on. This is where Tyler has lived his whole life and is where he still is, right? I'm not exaggerating when I say there's like, like only like four blocks and like there's a, four churches around. So needless to say, he was a little overwhelmed by the whole downtown DC experience, okay? And so as we were uh, going to our meeting, which for me at that time, it was in a, a coffee shop that was on Barracks Row, uh, Southeast D.C., Barracks Row, Eastern Market area. And the coffee shop was, was little. And I said, Tyler, you just, just stay right here outside. I'm going to be like 20 minutes, like 30 minutes tops. Just wait for me. All right? Stay right here. Wait for me. I'll come back out to you. Well, it was a little busy in the coffee shop, right? a little slow. It was more like 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes before I got back out onto the sidewalk. And when I got there, Tyler was nowhere to be found. Nowhere. So I'm looking down the street. I'm looking around the corner. Where's Tyler? I call him and he said, uh, you know, I have no idea where I am. I'm like, that's really helpful. <laughs> you know, what direction did you go? And uh, what's around you? And after talking for a few minutes about what he was seeing, I had realized that somehow 
this country bumpkin had made his way from Eastern Market to the other side of Union Station, right? Towards, I don't even, I forget where he was by now, but he was like more than a mile away, right? I was like, what in the world? And he's yelling, he, he's like yelling at a guy who was passing him on a bike, and, and there was some double-decker bus that was just making him mad for no, no good reason. He said there was people everywhere, he was freaking out. You see, Tyler, if he had just stayed close to me, his good shepherd, <laughs> right, none of that would have happened, right? He wouldn't have been lost. He wouldn't have been sweaty. He wouldn't have been mad. His well-being depended entirely on what? His proximity to me in that case, right? And, and we're no different. When we find ourselves wandering away from the good shepherd, we lose our true provider, like we talked about in week, week one of our series. We, we lose our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We, we lose our true peace, the, the shalom of God. We, we lose our, our true righteousness, our sick canoe of God, like we talked about two weeks ago. Right? Our good shepherd wants to be close to us. He wants us to be close to him. And so... He can be all of those things that we've talked about the last few weeks. Righteousness, peace, and provider, and healer for us. And, but look at what it says here in Psalms 23, because it highlights that. It says, he restores our soul. He gives us those things that we need. Right? The, the, the phrase here restore, that he uses is, restores my soul, conveys two quick ideas. First, right, when you're looking at that, and the Bible's in your laps, restore can refer to a stray sheep that has been brought back into the fold. They, they are restored to the proximity of the shepherd. They are restored to a relationship with the shepherd. They are brought back home like Barak, right? Restore may also point to the deep renewal, the deep reconciliation available to all sheep that stay close to the shepherd, right? Both of these pictures are intertwined to remind us of this. God desires restoration for all of his sheep, right? God desires restoration for each and every one of us. The good shepherd wants all of his sheep to be by his side and to be whole in body and spirit and to be safe. And now, now look at that next phrase, right? What does it say? He leads me along the right paths, right? That, that shows us that, that when we are with the shepherd, we will be safe and we'll be productive. We won't take a, a wrong turn and end up at the Capitol building on the other side of the Capitol building like Tyler, right? But we'll be safe by the shepherd's side. Now listen, right? Before you think I, I went all prosperity gospel and health and wealth here, talking about, about how God provides and not going to give us a wrong turn, right? That does not mean we'll never face danger, right? When we're with, when we're with in close proximity to our shepherd, it doesn't mean we're not going to face danger and difficulty as we follow the shepherd, right? And we'll see that as we read Han. But wherever we go, there is a reason why we're there, even if it is difficult. The final phrase of the verse uh, says that the reason is, what does it say? For his name's sake. 
Right? The shepherd wants all of those things to happen, good, bad, and the ugly, for his glory, for his honor, for the sake of his name. All right, let's, let's keep reading. Look at verses 4 through 5 of Psalm 23. It says, even though, even though I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Right, let's take a look at this. In the, in the first three verses that we read, the shepherd is pictured as a guide to scout out the landscape, to lead his flock to food, to water, to rest, to the things that we need to restore our souls. Right? Our, our good shepherd, who is, who is a healer and provider and peace and, and righteousness, and he's our banner. Right? He, he provides these things to us, things we think of as good. And now he's seen as coming alongside his sheep in those verses we just read to personally escort the sheep, us, when it's facing the testing of a dark valley. Now, but remember, there's a reason, right? What's the reason again? For his namesake, for who he is. Right? And with that in mind, the shepherd has come to the valley prepared to fight for his sheep. And he brings along two tools that are with him as he guides his sheep, the rod and the staff. Now, the rod for a shepherd of this time period was like a club. It was a stick that they would wear in their belt, and they would use it against animals and thieves. Right? The, the, the staff, it could serve as a walking stick, but when necessary, the shepherd would use it to keep the sheep from straying off path. Now, let's be honest, the staff and the rod, they're not gentle tools used by the shepherd. They're hard, and they can hurt. And when we feel the pressure of the rod or the staff, we might be tempted to react in anger or to shout out, ouch, that hurts. That's not fair. Why me? Right? But listen, we can trust that our shepherd is concerned for our care and protection because of this, right? God's discipline is always motivated by his unchanging love. So we know that when, when those tools are used in our proximity or even with us as he nudges us back onto, onto the path, motivated, motivated by his unchanging love. He guides us back onto the right path so that we will know his presence and experience his protection even in the darkest valley. Because remember, the the verse starts out by saying, even though I walk through the valley. The the good shepherd has not brought his sheep into the valley to torture them, to keep them there in pain and in misery, hungry and scared. He has brought them there to bring them through it walk through it so that they will be better on the other side of that valley so that they will be closer to the shepherd in the long run, right? Because he loves his sheep and he wants the best for them and he will be and do whatever it takes to protect them. 
Right, Jesus, God in the flesh, uses this image of the good shepherd in John chapter 10 to describe what the good shepherd is willing to do for his sheep. And he said this, he said, the, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A thief and a robber desire only to steal, to kill, to destroy the sheep. And the hired hand, the hired shepherd, right? The, not the real personal shepherd, flees when the sheep are threatened. But the God that we are forging our life on, Foundry Church, and that we're guiding others to do the same, Foundry Church, that God, that good shepherd, the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for us, his sheep. And our God is willing to do whatever it takes to save his sheep from the trials of this life, from the attacks of the enemy, from sin itself. The good shepherd will do whatever it takes to get us through the valley of the shadow of death. In verse 5, the, the imagery of the sheep and the shepherd is exchanged for an even more passionate picture, an even more intimate picture. Right? David, David knows how, how a picture of himself, uh, he writes this, right? He says, I, I'm a guest in the Lord's house, seated at his table. And I, I, I love this picture because it says he, he prepares a table, a dinner for his sheep in the presence of the sheep's enemies. I, I want you to kind of picture this in your mind because it doesn't say he prepares a table for the sheep and the wolf. And they're both sitting there eating awkwardly in front of the shepherd, right? No, right? The, the table is for the sheep and the shepherd only. And the, the wolf is just there in their presence, probably out in the corner licking its wounds. I mean, that's, that's good stuff, Foundry Church. Right? Talk about the, the, the justified vengeance of our Lord. The good shepherd prepares a table to eat and to dine and to enjoy his relationship with the sheep, while the enemy is in the corner wishing he could eat too. But he can't because the, the shepherd is there, right? Protecting his sheep, giving them something to eat, watching over them, giving them everything they need while the enemy has to watch from the edge of the woods, hungry, right? And we have nothing to do with it, Boundary Church. We're just there eating, right? Enjoying it, watching as our shepherd feeds us and, and protects us and, and loves us. Come on, that's good stuff. Right? Let, let's keep reading. Look at, look at verse 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The promise of the psalm just keeps getting better and better. Guys, we, we are not simply promised a celebratory meal, which will soon be over. We're not simply guests who will eventually have to leave 
the table and go home. No, we are a resident. <laughs> we live with God as long as we live, which is forever, for all of eternity. All right, listen to the line, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely. There's no doubt in the sheep's mind of the faithfulness of the shepherd. Right, throughout scripture, we see people of God continually relying on the bedrock truth that God, the God that they forged their life on, is faithful. That the good shepherd, without fail, exhibited goodness and mercy to his people, to those who are forging a lifelong reliance on him. Right, David concludes that he will live in the presence of God with his unending goodness and mercy as long as he lives, and then as long as he dwells in the house of the Lord forever, surely his goodness is there. Right, the, the book of Revelation offers one of the final pictures of Jesus as the good shepherd when we are with him forever in eternity. It says this in Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. It says, for the lamb who is at the center of the throne, will now shepherd them. He will guide them to the springs of the waters of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Shepherd. <laughs> Boundary church, right? The, the Lamb of God, Jesus, will shepherd us and wipe away every tear from our eyes. <laughs> Do you get that? We, dependent sheep, who are in need of a guide, a rescuer, a protector, have the greatest shepherd that there has ever been. Our good shepherd gives us everything we need to survive, and then he takes it a step further. Our good shepherd walks with us through the darkness of life and protects us in the valleys and gets us to the other side, teaches us and guides us, and then he takes it a step further. Our good shepherd invites us to sit at his table, and he feeds us and keeps our enemies away at the edge of the wood, licking their wounds, wishing they could eat too, and then he takes it a step even further, Foundry Church. Our good shepherd makes a way for us to live with him forever. For all of eternity, by becoming the perfect sacrifice and restoring our souls. Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd has been so good to us. Our shepherd has been so, so good to us. But listen, as the, as the band comes back up and we respond with more adoration and praise to our good shepherd, to our God, we got to live this out. This whole series, I've been building around the, the fact that information, just knowing these names about God and sounding cool because we can say Jehovah Rohi, that's just information. Because information without transformation is just stupid. We got to have the transformation, we have to do something. Right? How will a relationship with the Good Shepherd make a difference in your life today? This week, and even more so, how is it going to make a difference in the life of those that you're rubbing shoulders with? Right? Uh, those who do not know that there's a shepherd out there who loves them. 
who doesn't know the grace and the truth and the love of God. Maybe today or this week you can do one of three things to make that step. Maybe you have to rest and trust. Right, maybe you have to rest and trust. Maybe that's what you have to do this week to take this information that God is our good shepherd and to get it just from your head down into your heart. Rest and trust. Right? When God doesn't provide what you think you need, trust in his goodness. Remember, he created us to be dependent on him. So trust that he has our best interest in mind. Spend some time this week thanking him for his provision. You know, there's journals out there at the info center that are free. One of the strongest and most powerful things you can do, one of the most powerful spiritual disciplines that you can do in your life as you forge ahead, is just to write down every day one or two, three things that you're grateful for, that God provides. That's, maybe that's you, rest and trust. Maybe for you this week to get this from your head, information down into your life, it's, it's slowing down. Maybe you got to slow down, right? Nowhere in Psalms 23 does it say that we are running through life trying to keep up with the good shepherd. (laughs) Each description is of a patient shepherd who waits as we lie down in green pastures and walks with us through all the tough stuff. I was reminded of that yesterday. Yesterday, uh, the youth uh, went to a baseball game in the city and and, and Christina and I, we went and we, we left a little early and uh, mainly because I wanted to ride scooters more than go to the baseball game. And so, you know, the little scooters that are everywhere. And, and so I, I get on my scooter and I take off. And like, Christina's like a block behind me, right? Fighting to keep up. And, and she lost her sandal. It was a whole thing. Shepherd, right? Our God doesn't just say, hey, keep up. I got my scooter. Keep up. Maybe we're we're trying to run through this life and the good shepherd is screaming at us, hey, slow down. Don't just zip in and out. Right? If you are rushed and hurried, it may be that you aren't taking time with the shepherd to, to feed you and to restore your soul. I know that's so hard in this area. Stay close. Listen, Founder Church, sin will keep you from experiencing all the good that the shepherd desires for you. As always, each week, right, every day, we have to acknowledge and confess anything that keeps us separated from the one who desires to lead us by those still waters. We're all going to forge our life on something other than God this week. Stay close to him, who he is. 
Right? This is doing the hard thing, Foundry Church, owning our spiritual growth, owning our faith, acknowledging that we took a wrong turn somewhere and we need to come back because, listen, church, the good shepherd will do whatever it takes to get you back into the flock. Whatever it takes. He will lay down his life on a cross for us. Remember that. I stay close to him. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand. And we're about to sing a song that many of you know. But it talks about the reckless love of God. And when this song first came out years ago, people were kind of like, ah, wait, wait a second. God, God's not reckless. And if you are, are using the definition of reckless, that, that means like dangerous and rash and careless, then you're right. God's not reckless, right? God's love is not reckless. But if you use the definition that reckless, uh, meaning that, that he's going to do whatever it takes, that he's going to say, I don't care what happens to me. I'll go to the cross if that's going to set you free. That's going to protect my sheep. Then, then we're right. He is reckless. Right? The good shepherd puts everything on the line for his sheep. For us, Foundry Church, each one of us personally. As we sing this song, as we think about one of those three things that we have to do this week, about how, how he came down the, from the throne of heaven. He was born in a stinky manger. He will love us while we're, he's, he loves us as we're still sinning against him. Right? He's like, I, I still want that one. That's my sheep and I'm going to go to the cross for them. He'll die on the cross, a death of a criminal for you, his sheep. He will leave the other sheep to rescue you. He will turn his back on his own son. That is the reckless love of the good shepherd. Jehovah Rohi puts himself on the line for his sheep because we are dependent on him for everything. Proclaim that to him as we sing, as we continue to worship him with this song, and as we dedicate and commission ourselves to forge ahead in a lifelong reliance on him this week. Let's sing together.